It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast, episode 55. And this is a very special episode because today I'm joined not only by my co-host, Jeff Faulkner, but also by longtime Falcomaniac, Fantasy Falcon champion, the director of photography from our favorite show, The Barbarian and the Troll, Mr. Tyler Walzak. Tyler. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me again, guys. I'm super excited to be back. Absolutely. it's uh, We had a lot of fun the last time you were on. Um, actually, when we were having a little technical difficulty last week, you were you were on the ready. You were ready to come in and, uh, you know, save our butts. So we really appreciate it, and we're, we're happy you could join us. But, uh, Jeff, you know what? Episode 55, we're into August here. We're getting closer and closer to the real thing. How are you doing this week, buddy? Oh, buddy, it's the Dirty Double Nickel episode. I don't know if you remember Barry, but um, there's a bar on Wednesday nights. We used to call it, uh, it was called 55 Special. We used to call it the Dirty Double Nickel. You go down on Wednesdays, it was Cougar Night. It was Dollar Beers. And anytime I see the number 55, I have like PTSD flashbacks to that establishment. Uh, but I'm excited to have our 55th episode here and obviously with Tyler on board. And like you said, man, football season is here. The like trade, like tis the season to be trading. Give me all your picks and all your fab too. Uh, I've made like five pick or trades in our League of Note, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the last week. Our keeper deadline's coming up here. All kinds of stuff's happening. And, you know, before we get into this episode too far, we got a lot to cover here. Um, I got a pro tip for our listeners. Uh, I'm just thinking about how the season is approaching. You guys have four more Sundays to spend some quality time with the family before the real season starts. So cram in the activities now. You'll be thanking me in September and October when they don't want to see you anymore. Absolutely. It's uh, life is about to get a lot busier. That's for sure. Um, anyways, folks, welcome into the show. Um, if you haven't had a chance yet, make sure you head on over to Instagram and Twitter and follow us at Falcomaniacs. Uh, we've got a lot happening there. We're going to have our updated rankings coming out soon. Uh, we just released over the last couple of days uh, some takes on some of our sleepers this year. And I know that we're going to have some hot, hot stuff coming out of this show that we're going to be posting. So uh, do us a favor, check it out, and make sure you share the show wherever you can. Yeah, yeah, well, please do that. And you know what? This, like you said, uh, episode number 55, we kind of skipped the jersey swap last week in honor of our buddy TJ. But this week we got some uh, doozy options that wore the dirty double nickel. So let's run through this and see which jersey you guys would rock. We got Dikembe Mutombo, Junior Seau, Derek Brooks, Oral Hershiser. Ugh, Terrell Suggs, <laughs> Devin Bush, Lance Briggs, Joey Porter, Willie McGinnis, Hideki Matsui, Canadian backcatcher Russ Martin, hockey player Sergey Gonchar, or Kenny Powers from HBO's, uh, what's that show called? Um, Eastbound, Eastbound and Down. Eastbound and Down, that's it. Yeah, so those are the options. There's some Hall of Famers from a couple sports in there. Who are you guys going with? Well, uh, if I uh, was if I was going for a framer, if I was going for one to you know hang up in the man cave, um, you know a nice little junior Seau uh, shrine would be I think fitting. Um, but uh, if I was going for one to wear, I'd have to go with a Russ Martin, a Russ Martin with a uh, you know a nice little crest on the sleeve from those those runs that he was a part of. Blue Jays, you're saying? I mean, he was on. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Blue Jays. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Had to specify he just, that. He just like Thanos snapped when he left Toronto. Like he just was not there anymore. <laughs> Dust. How about you, I Tyler? Go, Which one are you going with? Yeah. I would go. Uh, 
I'd go Junior Seau, to be honest. And I, it's tough because those two linebackers, like Derek Brooks and Junior Seau, are legendary. And Derek Brooks actually won me my, like, first um, pool, like, Super Bowl, Super Bowl pool bet um, when it was the Raiders versus the Buccaneers. And I, I had chosen the Buccaneers before the playoffs started. And uh, I think Derek Brooks was a massive, massive player on that team. But Junior Seau was, like, I mean – like if you look at linebackers, he's the guy you look at first, is he not? He's up there for sure. I mean, he's an all timer. Willie McGinnis, another football Hall of Famer on list. I mean, there's a lot of talent. And this is what I was excited about when we got to these middle fifties. I know linebackers are my favorite position and I know almost all the greats wore fifty before, you know, the number rule changed this year. But I'm hoping in the future we're talking about Devin Bush in the same manner because uh, I'm really excited about the young Steelers middle linebacker, but mm-hmm. I think Russ Martin's my choice as well. I like it. Well, we've got uh, something special to help us start off the show this week. We are going to hit up our opening kickoff, but we are going to hand it over to our special guest. So, Tyler, take it away. Opening kickoff. All right. Thanks, Kyle. And uh, what I was thinking is you guys were putting out some uh, rules and lessons and kind of teaching people how to get into their leagues and, and know the rules of the leagues and tips and hints. And I wanted to kind of the biggest day of fantasy football is draft day. And the, the routine you have on draft day could absolutely determine your, your success. Like some people draft day starts a week before some people starts that day. We know Brad starts five minutes before draft time, but it's <laughs> everybody's different and, and how you prepare comes down to that day and i was kind of wondering what you guys do individually leading up to that day and on that day i know you have family so it's going to be completely different from mine but uh if i yeah that's kind of what i was thinking yeah well you know what here i'll start it up if you don't mind kyle it's it's this year i'm excited i'm actually hosting our draft this year and i've kind of arranged for the family to be away from the house the whole day so i'm going to wake up i'm going to have a nice big disgusting breakfast and then i'm just going to research from the second i finish eating until the draft comes up um, you know, it's changed over the years. Though. Like you said, we I have family now. I used to get together with some of the league mates before the draft. We'd go out for a big lunch and we'd kind of talk about strategies and guys we were eyeing up. But then over the years, we realized we're giving away too much information and then those guys were getting scooped on us. So now everybody kind of stays apart. It's almost like we don't talk to each other for the 48 hours leading up to the draft. And then uh, once we get together, every, all bets are off. So, yeah, I mean, as far as my routine, I wake up, I'm, I'm constantly looking at stuff. I get a good meal into me and then uh, – you know, it's, it brings me back to being a kid and getting too excited about things and then almost getting disappointed when it actually happens because <laughs> everybody ends up the way you want. Yeah, so I am I used to be a real, you know, last-minute cram artist. Like, I had all my prep done, I had my sheets, and then, like you're saying, Jeff, I would spend – I'd wake up at 6 a.m. like I had a midterm, and I'd spend the whole day, you know, a, a magazine in one hand and my phone in the other hand with news open and using my foot to scroll the mouse pad and read different things and watch videos. And it just is overwhelming and you're burned out by the time the draft rolls around. So now, you know, especially in the time of COVID where we're mostly remote, uh, like you said, we're kind of getting back to in-person drafting in some leagues, but I like to make sure things are in order. I've got my, my rankings and my cheat sheets are right there. I know where they are. My devices are charging up. You know, I still check that day's injury reports, practice reports, see if there's anything I need to uh, adjust on my sheets. Um, 
<clears throat> the one thing I do kind of go over is I ha- I always have a little list on the back of my page of sleepers, um, some players I want to target, some bust players or ones I might want to avoid. And I do try to find more and more and more lists of those kinds of players online, just names that I could add. I, I read an argument or listen to an argument and think, oh, yeah, I believe in that. And I write it down because when you get to those late rounds, uh, you want to have somebody in mind, even if they're only on your bench for a week. Um, when I'm at home, I definitely, uh, you know, ask the family to kind of go somewhere else, maybe a different floor or maybe, maybe go out for dinner without me or something like that. But just, you know, a nice peaceful atmosphere. Um, and the one thing I do with the group is, uh, before the draft starts, I like to text lots of people and say, how are you feeling about it? Just, you know, get things started, get the, get that conversation initiated, And then after the draft, I immediately text everybody and say, how do they feel about how it went? Because, uh, you know, it's a it's a good way to open those lines of communication. There are guys in your league you might not have talked to since last season. And uh, it opens that line so that in a few weeks, you know, when you when you're looking at the teams like we talked about in the Ten Commandments, you're looking at the teams and how they stack up and where your team is deep and shallow and where theirs might be deep and shallow. And you identify some trade targets. So when it comes to, you know, week two or week three, you know who you might want to text if they were really they were really hyped up on a player and they're underperforming the first few weeks. Maybe they've changed their mind or if they were really bummed out about not getting someone that you got, maybe it's time to make a move. But, um, you know, the biggest part of my day is after the draft, I get my Lisa Frank spiral notebook and I write the name of each one of my players 50 times and draw little hearts around it and go to sleep. <laughs> Practice their signatures. And... Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Tyler? Uh, I, you hit me uh, real good with the lists. So what I usually do is about a week before, two weeks before, I did it a lot earlier, I already have it now. Um, but I pick one magazine, one fantasy football magazine, and it's like, there's the ESPN one, there's the sports illustrated, there's fantasy pros, there's 12, 12 to 13, 15 out there. Um, and I pick one and then I, I make that my Bible. Yep. So I, I look at it and as I read it, I go, okay, I don't disagree. I don't agree with this. I'm going to avoid this player. I don't want this guy at all costs. Like, um, it's just, it's somebody I don't believe in specifically for these reasons but i don't but i don't kind of write it off i just say i i take this person like let's say um uh what's uh, who's the the blanket on his name now they're running back to the uh falcons mike, mike davis oh, davis. Yeah. Mike mike davis. davis he's easy like, for may- yeah, yeah. <laughs> like mike davis is a hot topic but i don't think he i don't i don't want him on my team let someone else deal with him but then i'll just write down like all right, but if he falls to this round, which is like four rounds after they haven't listed, maybe it's somebody I think about. And then I would the flaw in that is just don't use that magazine as like this is what I go by. This is I, what I ride or die on. Is is get it a week before and then go to the websites and check to see if the people in the magazine are in the same kind of area as the websites and what they say about them. And and then you kind of get a feel of how you appreciate each person or or if you value someone above the magazine then you kind of know that and circle them or you put an x through them or like a red check mark or a black check mark um and it's it's actually the only thing i do now it's so helpful it's calming too like just to be able to sit down and go through what essentially is your bible and circle guys and be like 
everybody has this person at this. Yeah. Um, it's that's that's kind of what I do. And then when I get to like, it's probably I, I wanted to say five minutes before the draft, but it's more like forty five minutes before the draft. I get all my computers, my iPad, my Mac, my phone, and I put it all on the table with the Bible and kind of notes that I have written down. And and then I get like pizza or chicken wings just to munch on. Cause I usually for us, because I'm on the West coast, we draft at eight 30. So it's right around dinner time for me. Um, so it's, then it's kind of just like super bowl day. It's, it's almost better to me draft day than super bowl day because super bowl, I don't really care too much about whatever teams are in it. Cause it's not the Lions. So draft day fantasy football is why I actually care. This is my team that I'm creating. Um, it's awesome. Oh, it's such a good day. I can't oh, believe man. it's only four weeks away. And I knew right away because I was getting, I'd wake up as a commissioner to messages from like Josh and Kyle, like what's this, then what's this rule now? What's we've changed a yep. bunch of stuff. So I immediately brought me back. Yeah, exactly. You've been in this league for 12 years. You should know this by now. <laughs> no. We'll deal with it every year. <laughs> and oh, Josh, boy. I have to put out a big, um, a big letter about the new changes that we made. We made a bunch of changes this year. So one of them, Josh kept asking about how many, I keep, I'm sorry, Josh is the pen to you. I don't know why it would though, but it keeps asking, um, cause there's another, another week in the NFL this year. So it's like, mm-hmm. are we, are we having another regular season week? Are we having another regular season week? And in my head, the whole time I'm going, why does that matter? Why does that, why does that, not, I don't understand why that matters. Like, unless he's, then I, I'm already in my own head going he he knows something i don't know about a guy who can't play one week what guy yeah, well tyler i don't know if you're aware buddy but week 14 there's actually bye weeks so that's typically the first week of the fantasy playoffs right and this year with the schedule so that's probably that. what he's yeah so that that changes things a little bit but is it like every year I, I mean as a commissioner myself i i feel your pain and you know like i said there's people that have been in the league for a decade and they don't remember the simplest of rules um yeah so that's another, you know, thing you got to juggle as a commissioner during the draft. You know, you're not just worried about your own team. You're making sure the draft runs smoothly and everybody's up on the up and up. And uh, yeah, yeah, I can add and to just, it for sure. Just making sure they're there. Just making yeah. sure that you can pick yeah. a date for that draft is the oh, hardest buddy. thing. The chats. Well, I was gonna say the chats in both of our group chats are exactly the same right now. We had set a date, and I'll admit, in in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I'm one of the people that screwed up the initial draft date that we had picked. Um, not through my own fault. My wife surprised me with a ticket out to Saskatchewan. Uh, to play with my old band at a music festival, but the festival happens to be the night of our draft. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and But that is getting sorted out. But in our Sorry for Partying League, there's there's debate going on about which day uh, kind of right at the start of September is going to work for people. And we still have a couple people we can't even get a reply out of. Yeah. I don't know. And I guess the most, I guess the most important part is we used to draft earlier and I guess because now we were in our like 12th or 13th years, you, you can't draft until preseason is done. Cause you just, it's too hard to guess who's going to get injured and, and when. So we were boiled down to like five days before kickoff, the Thursday night kickoff, we've got the Labor Day weekend, which most people are gone. So it's always comes down to that, that Monday Labor Day weekend mm-hmm. day off. It's like, that's the best day kind of for us. Um, and then just figuring out the time from there is, usually where we should go and it's the same day every year so whenever it's always shocking to me that it's always like a conflict of interest but then it's always the same day 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, we could argue that, that for three weeks. Yeah. Our league, it's, it's like, day. let's do the third Sunday of August every year. And everybody's like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then August comes and like, well, I can't do that Sunday. <laughs> so then you're, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but it's all part of the fun. And uh, before we move on, I know we got tons to cover your account and you're chomping at the bit to move on. But Tyler, how do you choose your magazine? Because I do the very similar thing. I pick one magazine and one only. And every year it's different. And for me, it's basically if that guy on the cover is one of my favorite players on my own team, I'm going with that magazine. But how do you choose yours? You, uh, that's actually weird that you said that because I went by the cover. It's uh, Stefan Diggs. And it, it to me, it didn't – I would just go and I'd kind of just grab whichever one's there. I'd, I'd get it at – if I just went into like a random 7-Eleven and they had a fantasy magazine, I'm like, this is the one I'm using this year. Because, it's, it's again, it's like it's – yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And then you just do make sure you do your research outside that magazine. But as long as you have that Bible in front of you, it's so much easier to draft. It's so much yep. easier to pick a sleeper to like if if you're in like round seven and you have three guys uh, in the queue and then all of a sudden all of them are gone. <laughs> then you just boom, open the book to sleepers or like whatever pick you're at and be like, OK, this is someone who is a safe draft pick. Um, it just it helps so much. Oh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait till we get to our actual drafts, and I'm loving chatting about the draft day routine. Oh. But, uh, there's so much news to cover. We're going to do a mock draft. we got hot takes in this episode as well. So, fellas, what do you say we jump into the fantasy news? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for fantasy football news. <laughs> Fellas, uh, we had real football last week. Kyle and I mentioned it. Uh, we recorded last week, but uh, the game happened. The Steelers and the Cowboys played in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, not a ton of information fantasy-wise, but we did get to see some of the studs play for the Steelers. Najee Harris and Chase Claypool both had nice days. Micah Parsons for the Cowboys uh, looked good as advertised. And, yeah, man, football started. And there's a full slate starting tomorrow, preseason week one, uh, as, as early as tomorrow. So I'm really excited about that. And I was just mentioning to you guys I traded for Chase Claypool Um just the yesterday. So I was a little worried after he had that big catch in the, the hall of fame game, because I didn't want his value to go up any higher than it was, but uh, I'm happy he's on my squad now. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, he's a big, he's a big, uh, you know, piece of this team probably going forward. We saw the explosiveness and uh, you mentioned you're kind of in a rebuild in the LOEG, but that's a, that's a great piece to get on your squad. Yeah. I've been chasing him since I made him my Rudy of the week, went, like week four last year. So, um, but we have tons of news to cover. Here's some, you know, hype train all aboard. Trey Lance in San Francisco. Uh, he's not expected to get any first team reps leading up to the season. I don't know if you guys have been following the social media hype with this guy, but it's it has not slowed down at all. He's throwing the ball well. He's they've said he's had some struggles with clock management drills, but every other account says he's out playing Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think it's only a matter of time before you know the shiny new toy is starting for the the 49ers. I'm um, sorry. I'm wondering how much of this, you know, negative that all of a sudden is coming out about Lance, how much of that is from Shanahan trying to drive up the trade value for Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, I think that's been his MO all offseason, right? It's been no no secret that they're trying to move on from him. And, and they keep saying, oh, he's having his best camp ever. Of course you're saying that. You're trying to trade this guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you're right, though. That, that could be a new strategy is to kind of instead of talking about how good Jimmy's doing, talk about how Lance isn't ready. And, you know, we're really excited to have Jimmy as our starter, blah, 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 blah. But please take him off our hands, uh, <laughs> Broncos. And 
Texans and all the other teams that need quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, but we shall see because, you know, obviously San Fran traded up. Kyle Shanahan is in love with Trey Lance, and it's only a matter of time before he gets a starting gig there, and they've got weapons galore. So monitor that one for sure as your drafts approach. Rookie watch. Uh, New York Jets rookie wide receiver Elijah Moore has impressed He's now working with the first team at offensive camp already. Uh, I read a report. This guy wrote down on his mirror, every receiver that was drafted before him in the class this year. He's super motivated. He's very determined to prove he's the best in the class. I just think he's wearing the wrong uniform to do that. But uh, the talent is there, and uh, it sounds like he could be, you know, taking over Corey Davis as the first, you know, Corey Davis is new on the team, but he may not be the WR1 there. Denzel Mims was a kind of a hype guy early in the offseason. Now they're saying he's overweight and he might be off the roster bubble. So, Elijah Moore is probably the wide receiver to own in uh, New York as far as the Jets go. If you want to own any. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's the yeah, little <laughs> asterisk there. Uh, Tariq Cohen still weeks away from playing, according to Matt Nagy, while Damian Williams has shown himself to be a reliable pass catcher at Bears camp. And Andy Dalton still looks to be on track to be the start of this year, reportedly having the most consistent camp, not just this year, but in recent memory. He's got a nice big red beard now, and he's developing quite the rapport with Allen Robinson. I love that today. I love hearing that. Uh, Robinson was actually held at a practice today with a hamstring issue, but this time of year, I'm not too worried about anything because uh, it's you know we got to get everybody ready for the, the regular season when it counts. Yeah, it could just be load management. I actually don't know if you saw today a picture came out. The beard is gone and the red mustache is in play. Oh well, I might be on the <laughs> Dalton hype train then. Red stash, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Uh, Houston rumors, Deshaun Watson trade, um, you know, there's been rumors and talks of linking him to Philadelphia. They're heating up. I don't know how this happens. Um, you know, he's been sitting out practices. He's been showing up. And then when they do the full padded practice, he kind of disappears. It sounds like he's just showing up. So he doesn't get any fines and any more trouble than he already is. But I really can't see this guy playing football until everything's settled. Um, Tyreek Hill has been sitting at a practice this week with a with what Andy Reid has called mild knee tendonitis. I heard he's back at practice now, but uh, this is something to monitor throughout. Yeah, obviously his knees are pretty important to his wheels, and his wheels are a big part of his game. So this is something to monitor. I don't think it's going to be major, but you know if this is kind of a load management thing throughout the season where he gets Wednesday practices off, I don't know. This is something to monitor for sure because this guy is you know a top three wide receiver off the board in a lot of cases, and you really if you're taking him that high, you don't want to miss on your your WR one. So. Keep an eye on that one for sure. Ugh, Kenny Galladay, man. All Kenny Galladay can do is what Kenny Galladay does. He's expected to miss two to three weeks with a hamstring injury. Um, you know, last year it was not great, but, you know, he was on the Detroit Lions for a few years. There, This year he's on the the Cowboy, or the Giants now, and he's trying to build a rapport with Danny Dimes. This is, you know, the crucial part of the year to do that, and he's not going to be with the team. So um, the Giants, is, it seems like a hot mess right now. I know Saquon's kind of slowly coming back into practice and then into the fold, but – I don't know about this offense. I can see myself having no parts of it in any of my fantasy teams. Well, this hurts, man. And I'm a I'm a Danny Dimes owner and or manager in our uh, LOEG, our two quarterback league. And I was feeling a little hopeful because you know what, Saquon's healthy and Kenny Galladay's in town, and you know they drafted a fast running rookie. And I felt like okay, he's got some weapons. Like this hurts everybody but it hurts daniel jones having you know missing his best pieces in camp uh like you said saquon kind of just coming back to individual stuff um yeah this i hope i hope it's nothing big wow that's what kept him out all last year it was yeah. he was gonna be good and then his hamstring acted up and then he was gonna be good and his hamstring this is horrible 
not yeah. not good, not good at all. But uh, again, this is where what five weeks, four weeks from the season, and you know drafts are coming up. So monitor that as I'm sure I could see him sliding down draft boards because of like you said, Tyler. All he dealt with this all last year as well, so the trust is yeah. not there. Uh, New England, Bill Belichick says Cam Newton and rookie Mac Jones are in a healthy competition. So this kind of is a slight change of tune from what we've been hearing so far where, you know, Cam's our guy and, and Mac's here to learn. One thing I will say about Mac Jones, he's wearing number 50 in camp as a quarterback. So that doesn't exactly scream, this guy's our starter in franchise. So maybe get him into a lower number and we can get some confidence in this kid. I think that's uh, a Belichick thing. I think he I think he likes to stick those numbers on – uh, I don't know if it's a mental game or just superstition or what, but I think he likes to do that to rookies. That sounds like a Belichick thing. <laughs> it does. I mean, whatever he does, it works. So, uh, <coughs> Julio Jones has been out of practice this week with a leg issue. Doesn't seem like it's anything too serious. I mean, let's be honest here, guys. Julio Jones is not getting any younger. He kind of always has some kind of lingering injury, but he seems to always make it onto the field as well. Again, this is very similar to Galladay where he's in a new offense, learning a new system and trying to build that rapport with his quarterback. But Julio Jones is, you know, compared to the talent of Kenny Galladay, it's night and day. So I think Julio can miss some time and still be a fantasy relevant performer for his new squad. But definitely something to monitor because, yeah, lingering injuries and Julio Jones go together like lamb and tuna fish. (laughs) Just scary news at a Justin Jefferson in Minnesota camp. So Justin Jefferson went down hard at practice and landed on his shoulder. It uh, looked pretty serious when it happened. It appears he's only sprained his AC joint. He's considered day-to-day and shouldn't miss any of the regular season. Uh, you know, this is what happens to the regular or the preseason, right? A lot of people are kind of against it altogether for this exact reason. They don't want their players to go down for no, for nothing. And then you see the Steelers with Najee in the Hall of Fame game getting them, you know, reps in the second quarter. And you're like, what are you doing? But, uh, you know, they got to get the reps in, and this is part of football. So the more we – and the deeper we get into the season, the more injuries we're going to have. It just kind of comes with the territory. So much of this right now, what we're getting, the injury news, seems like it's wide receivers, though, doesn't it? Hamstrings, groins, you know, just little lower body things that it might be nothing or it might be like a nagging thing that bothers them and and takes away all season. I don't like it. It's a good thing wide receiver is twice as deep as every other position because half of them are going to be gone before week one. Oh, boy. Well, Matthew Stafford will not appear in any preseason games, and that is not because of that thumb injury. It is because the team does not want to mess around with their new franchise quarterback. They know that, you know, he knows the NFL. Obviously, he's not been with the team very long other than this offseason, but they're they're not going to risk their new uh, shiny new toy. So John Walford, uh, oh, he's obviously not going to appear either. He's got appendicitis, and why are we talking about John Walford? Uh, Moving on. (laughs) Michael Thomas's relationship, guys. I don't know if you heard this. Man, oh, man, it's like more drama-filled than Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers. So I guess he's super disgruntled with the team. They advised him to have surgery just after the season ended. And Thomas like ignored them for three months, like ignored coaches calls for three months, months. And then finally did get the surgery. And then we all know where that is. Now he's going to miss the start of the year. And he's posting these cryptic tweets where, you know, saying things like, uh, you know, I, I protect their reputation, I don't even know. I'm paraphrasing, but basically he's saying, you know, I've done my part. The team's not backing me up. And now there's rumors that he wants out. I've even read some rumors that uh, he wants to kind of re, or re get back together with Urban Meyer and, and go to Jacksonville. I don't know how that makes Ooh. any sense, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's obviously a situation to monitor. It was pretty ugly last year. Even when he returned, he's fighting guys at practice and missing time. So uh, something crazy going on with Michael Thomas and it's, it's not going to end pretty. I don't think. 
There was a well, I saw actually some chatter that that's exactly if Green Bay wants to win a Super Bowl, then they should just throw the sink at the Saints and try to get him and have him and Adams going side by side. But uh, there was a bit of a rumor that those messages he was sending had to do with uh, Drew Brees, you know, chasing records in his last year, and that initially the team told him not to get surgery because they wanted him out there. Uh, while Breeze was healthy, and then Ooh, and then as soon as the season was over, I don't know. You know, I I I've tried calling Michael, but he hasn't returned my calls <laughs> to confirm this. But uh, give him three months. Give him three months. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll have him on the show. Uh, yeah, it's a crazy scenario situation though, and it's it's just, there's going to be more details of it coming out. As I'm sure, Cincinnati camp is not <laughs> the news coming out of the camp has not been pretty so far. We've read that Joe Burrow's been running for his life. We're reading that uh, you know the new rookie Chase is not separating. Uh, Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow are both going to sit out the first preseason game. I think this is you know, you know, no surprise to anybody. Again, we keep talking about the risk, and these guys are both coming off injuries last year. And if uh, since he's going to do anything this year, they need both Joes to be on the field. So I'm not surprised whatsoever. Um, and yeah, I kind of mentioned this other one where Jamar Chase is uh, you know, he's having difficulty separating a camp. Uh, this is a guy who took off the whole entire season last year because of COVID, right? And he's, he hasn't played competitive football in, in quite a while. So I don't know if this is a case of he's not as good as people thought or if he's just getting his legs under him, but um, he's got time to get them get right before the season starts. That's for sure. That's a bit of a worry to me. I don't know how you guys feel, but you know, a guy who two years ago when he and uh, Joe Burrow were together in college, he was by far the most, you know, electric player in football in college football, but didn't play for a full year, you know, still was training. It's not like he went and sat on the couch and played Nintendo for a year, but uh, didn't play any competitive football. And now after that gap is trying to make the jump to, you know, the speed of the NFL and particularly the speed and ability of NFL DBs and a guy whose whole game is about creating early separation. And now he can't, and, you know, no offense to Cincinnati, but he's not exactly going up against the Rams at practice. That's what I was like, going to say. He can't separate against the Bengals. I, like, what are we worried about here? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> now, I know uh, I know. at draft time, Tyler, you were a little bit upset that uh, that your team, you know, ended, that the Lions ended up having to take uh, Panay Sewell instead of a player like Chase. But by all accounts, Sewell has been the best player on the field for the Lions. And uh does this news make you feel any better about that pick? Well, I definitely didn't want Chase. I wanted a quarterback. I definitely wanted a quarterback. That's why I wasn't happy with Sewell. But I can say as a Lions fan that taking that year off is huge because you can think of not even that long ago, Mike Williams from the Detroit Lions took, the, took one year off in college before he entered the draft, and he, he was horrible. He was horrible. He never, he never really became what he was. I think he was out of USC. Um, they they didn't draft him very high though, did they, Tyler? Oh, he was first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was a first round pick. Oh, I, yes, I, he was. Maybe top three. <laughs> one of one of their three in a row, I think. It was like Roy Williams, Mike Williams, and Charles Rogers. Oh, Oof. why are we talking Oof. about this? <laughs> oh my goodness. Sorry, Henning. I, I didn't want to talk about it either. Oh, boy. I appreciate the loyalty. I will say that Lions fans, there's, I know you two, and there's one in our league, an extraordinary gentleman, Bednar. You guys are, or even Kevin is as well. You guys are ride or die with your team, and it's it's a lot of dying while you're riding. So uh, I, I do appreciate it. <laughs> ride and die. Yeah. It's a ride and die. Uh, a few more notes here in the news, and we'll get done to the, the meat and potatoes. Darren Waller has missed practice um, 
or eight straight days actually in a row now. Uh, there's no really report of what's going on. My gut feeling says this is contract talks and it's nothing serious. Uh, I am only saying that because I recently traded for Waller and I'm hoping that he's 100% <laughs> fine. But he's been seen at practice. He's lifting weights. He's working on the sidelines. So I don't think if it is an injury, it's anything major. But um, obviously eight practices in a row is something to, to watch. Um, and again, some more soft tissue stuff. We got Aaron Jones missed, uh, is out of practice in Green Bay with a hamstring issue. Um, Aaron Dillon, or sorry, AJ Dillon is actually, they've been kind of babying him as well, which is a new report I heard this morning. So, uh, he could see a pretty good role on that team if, if they're kind of, you know, protecting him in the preseason, it kind of shows me that they, they want him to be healthy when it counts. Um, this is some pretty big news out of Baltimore rookie wideout Rashad Bateman is week to week after a pretty bad groin injury in practice this week. Um, again, another guy that's trying to learn his quarterback and the playbook. This is a rookie who was kind of drafted in the first round this year to do what Marquise Brown couldn't do. And uh, that's make the passing game relevant, especially from the receivers in Baltimore. Uh, so this is a big blow to that passing game, which I love to see as a Steelers fan, but um, fantasy wise, you know, Bateman was on a lot of people's boards as a kind of a breakout candidate. And uh, that could be delayed now with this injury. And last, but certainly not least Indianapolis Colts quarterback and guard Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz are both on track to maybe start week one. So this weird injury that they're both suffering from that was, you know, five to 12 weeks. Uh, it sounds like they're going to be at the, the shorter end of that time frame and could be back on the field as early as week one for the Colts. So that's uh, obviously good news if you're a Colts fan. It's yeah. a huge news if you're a Jonathan Taylor fan. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. We talked about that last week, how, uh, you know, not having Wentz hurts and not having pretty much the best O-lineman in the NFL uh, is devastating. So if they can get those guys back and they're, you know, even reasonably healthy, um, I think that just kind of keeps Taylor right on track with where we had him going into the season. Yeah. Ooh, we, well, you know, yeah, it is quite a bit. the season, man. Yeah. I, I said it, uh, <laughs> I said it when we were doing our pre-show chat, like either everybody's hurt or everybody's going to the hall of fame. There's a lot of, a lot of news to get to. We appreciate your hard work there, Jeff. Uh, but you know what? Pfft, let's move on. Let's get to what really matters, boys. Let's get to the Falcomaniacs fan zone. Oh my god. Oh my god. Welcome to the Falcomaniacs fan zone. <laughs> I'm a fan, sir. I am a fan. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. So, thanks once again to everybody who reached out to us on this week's question. Remember, you can always send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball@gmail.com. You can reply by vote or comment. Uh, or DM on Instagram at Falcomaniacs, or send us a voicemail using the link in the show description. So this past week, our uh, our two-minute drill question was about when and where do you get your fantasy work done? Um, you know, over the since I started playing fantasy, when I started, I was a you know much younger, slimmer, more attractive man with more hair and fewer kids and fewer wives. And uh, my life is a lot busier now. It's it's a lot harder to carve out that important time. And uh, it sounds like from a lot of our listeners or a lot of people that responded to this, they also have trouble, you know, at, at least in their home lives fitting that in. But the number one answer that we got uh, for where and when people fit it in was at work. Uh, a number of people talked about having an iPad going on their lap. So they're sitting at their desk working and had an iPad where they were doing research at the same time um, or just being able to, you know, flip back and forth between windows. The number two answer was the bathroom. And uh, I think that, you know, 
I know dads everywhere and, and probably some moms too. That's kind of your, your one, you know, fortress of solitude. That's your one place that you can escape for a few minutes. But, uh, you know, you got to watch out because your significant other might call 911 if you're in there for 25 minutes looking through all the rookie <laughs> rookie pre-draft ranks or whatever. Um, and uh, the number three answer, I, it wasn't that many, but I thought it was funny enough. I had two people who wrote in and said that they like to once a week rent a hotel room by the hour as if they were having an affair, but uh, <laughs> just lay there with their magazine and, and circle names. Um, before we get to, before we get to our input, we did have a funny, uh, kind of back and forth from two members of our story for partying league, uh, where Tyler is the current champion and commissioner. So DR and Steve, they, you know, they like to go back and forth and I believe they play in another league together. And so they each answered separately, uh, one, one message in, in our group chat and one sent, and Steve sent me a DM, uh, to Falcomaniacs, but they both said the same thing. They said, I, Steve said, I talked to DR, get all his advice and then do the exact opposite of whatever he said. And DR <laughs> said, I talked to Steve, get all his advice and do the exact opposite of uh, whatever Steve said. So, you know, between the two of them, one of them's probably <laughs> going to be right more than not, but yeah. No, like they're I, both horrible. They're both horrible <laughs> in our league. Wasn't D, didn't DR, uh, you know, one valiantly, valiant. Well, didn't he battle you in the finals this year? Yeah, but he lost. Who cares? Yeah, second place. <laughs> I, got the, I do have the trophy in my hand right now, though. Yeah, oh, the, the I, can, I thought I said it. Yeah, you could hear it. <laughs> Just calling out to me. Don't worry, you'll be home soon. Um, yeah, as, as for me, it's kind of a mix, you know, I, uh, I'm a bit of a night hawk. So usually when the wife and kids go to bed and, uh, you know, I'm done getting ready for school the next day, I usually take 10 or 15 minutes before bed to kind of go through things. Um, lunch breaks at school. A lot of times I'll use one lunch break to do schoolwork. And then, uh, and then one, I sit in the staff room and, and make a couple notes or look at, you know, waivers or look at injuries for the week. Um, and then of course, like I said, the fortress of solitude, the bathroom is always a good place to, to read a couple articles, but what about you guys? Where do you get most of your fantasy work done during the season? I'll let you go first, Jeff. Uh, so for me, I mean, I, I'm on the road a ton with my, my day job here. I, I know it sounds very professional in the podcast, but I do have to work during the day and, uh, I drive quite a bit. So I'm always listening to podcasts or like Tyler said, Sirius XM radio, just listening to the experts and how they think and how they look at things. And then I kind of build my own rankings from there. Uh, the throne, the bathroom is obviously another choice. I, the other day, as soon as I traded for the first overall pick, I like, I was so <laughs> excited. And we were doing like a family thing where we were playing a board game. And I was like, I just want to go look at some footage of these rookies. So I took a bathroom <laughs> break and, um, and, but I forgot my phone. So I'm going to sit down and I'm like oh, getting no. settled. And then I'm like, Oh no, I've already started. And I'm like, oh, so, yeah, it was, it was a fail on my end, but better then than, than uh, the draft day. Um, and one more quick funny thing. When I used to work at the newspaper way back in the day, man, I sound old when I say that, but uh, that's where I met Bednar in our league. And they actually put a rule in place because he would hang out at my desk and him and I would just chat fantasy football like for an hour at a time. And then they put up no loitering signs on everybody's <laughs> desk. And they said no personal website use uh, during work hours because I constantly had my fantasy football window open. So uh, if you're going to do it at work, be smart about it so you don't get in trouble. Yeah. I mean, I have a completely different life than, than you guys and most of our friends. Like, I'm not married, single, 
So I'm, it's constant. It's constantly on. It's probably why I win is because I have nothing to do <laughs> but look at fantasy football. It's wake up in the morning. Who did what? First thing I got to do is see if anyone while I was sleeping, because they got a three hour head start on me and the East Coast. So I got to wake up and see who did what and, and how does that affect me? And then, yeah, like throughout the day at work, any time I can, like people scroll through Instagram. I'm like, no, no, I got to find, I got to find somebody on the waiver wire for like three weeks down the road. Like it's just, uh, and you know what? The beauty of being on the West Coast is, uh, I think it's three o one a.m. Eastern is when the wire, the waiver wire transactions go on like a Tuesday night. So Tuesday night twelve o one, I'm like alarm oh, on my phone nice. goes off, and I'm like, all right, let's see who did what. Did I get my guy? And then who was left out there? Um, oh man, oh I can't wait for this season to start. I can't wait. I was just thinking about you guys on the West Coast too. You wake up, you got football at ten a.m. Sunday nighters done by eight p.m. Like you're loving life out there. It's it's pretty nice. It's yeah. uh, I've said to Tyler like we were still we were still an hour ahead of Tyler when we were in Saskatchewan. But I've said to him a couple of times since we moved back to Ontario, one of the hardest things is those Sunday night and Monday night games not being over at like nine o'clock at night. It was so great. And we used to kind of almost have private chats in our group chat. Yeah. Everybody else would be in bed and we'd be watching, you know, late baseball games or late football or whatever. Um, yeah. And then the other terrible part is on Sundays, I have to wait until one o'clock now for kickoff. It's not, you know, used to be wake up, have a coffee, do a couple things and it's go time. Now I've got half a day of misery to kill before the excitement starts. <laughs> I mean, well, I love, I, mean, my, on, on I love the, my family, but yeah. yeah. On the other side of that though, the Thursday night and the Monday night games, you gotta, you gotta rush home from work. Like you gotta, you gotta get in your car and you gotta like just go through every red light. You want to hit kickoff. You gotta get a pizza and just yeah. sit down ready for kickoff. And you're also setting your lineup while you drive. I'm just kidding. Don't <laughs> nobody do that. <laughs> no, definitely not. Like other people, not you. You're talking about yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Other people. I see other people in cars. I see them on their phones, and they go, ah, oh, they're probably just setting their lineup for Monday night. I get it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I basically, the only take I'm getting from this episode is Tyler wins every league because he sets his lineup while he drives. That's basically all I got. <laughs> well, you're right. I do win all the leagues. I'm gonna call the Vancouver police and ask whether that should put an asterisk beside his titles or not. So, anyways, <laughs> well, just give him give him my license number and tell him to wait at what corner to see if I'm setting a lineup at the stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> Only when we're playing, I'll do that the week we're yeah. playing. All right, <laughs> well, to. yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, well, you know what, fellas, we have two more exciting things to get to today. We've done a lot already, but this is the this is what everybody tuned in for this week. This is the meat and potatoes. We are going to shock the world. We're like Toby Keith shocking y'all. We are going to lay it on the line. These are our 100% scorching hot takes. What? What? It's time for Fancy Falcon Football Hot Takes. So before we get too deep into it and before anybody listening out there hears what we have to say and thinks these guys are idiots and shuts it off, make sure you know what we're talking about. These are hot takes. These are not our projections of exactly what's going to happen. These are like... This is a wild thing that we're going to say, but here's why maybe it's not as crazy as you think, right? So, you know, when Jeff comes out and says that Sam Darnold is going to lead the league in rushing touchdowns, don't blame him, folks. He's just, you know, he's saying what we're all thinking, but we're too afraid to say, basically. 
Um, but if you guys don't mind, I'm going to, I got one that's just so hot. It's like a, you know, it's like I'm a kid with a quarter in my pocket. It's burning a hole. I can't keep it in there anymore. Uh, let it out. Let it out. My number one hot take is that Joe Mixon will finish this year as a top five running back. What do you guys think? Am I crazy? Am I, you're both silent. So that means they're, they're just nodding their heads in agreement. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think that's um, I don't think that's t- too far out of the realm of possibilities. I mean, he's he's Geo's gone. The he should get some more passing work. I can yeah. see it. He just got to stay healthy. So let me he, break it down because I know a lot of people. I I've gotten this. We posted something with Joe Mixon a couple months ago on our uh, on our Instagram account at Falcomaniacs, and people went ballistic they hated the guy he's the least reliable this guy gets me every year blah 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 and last year was terrible i owned him i had him in our story for partying league i had him in another league it was awful because he was kind of like kenny galladay every week oh he's gonna be good to go and then he just never came back he's like santa claus is he real is he not i hear about him i never see him but uh you know before he went out last year he started the season off a bit slow but the last three games he played, he was actually pretty good as a running back. And in week four, he actually had a 36-point performance. I believe he was the RB1 overall in that week. Uh, but by week six, he was out for the year. Now, also out for the year, you mentioned it earlier, Jeff, Joe Burrow is coming off the IR with, you know, he had that horrific injury. The Bengals need to keep him upright. And they certainly didn't do that by taking the best O-lineman in two generations to come into the draft. Uh, so unless Jamar Chase is going to block backside, he's going to be under pressure. They need to do two things. They need to establish the run early and often, and they need to give Joe Burrow a quick kind of safety net, a safety valve that he can dump the ball off to. Now, last year when he was playing, Mixon actually averaged over four targets a game in the passing game, and that was with Giovanni Bernard. That was with, like, arguably the best uh, – you know, one of the best receiving backs in the league. But Gio's gone to Tampa Bay. Uh, Mixon stands to see an uptick in those targets and in third down work. And he already had a high carry total. Last year, he averaged 24 touches per game. Now, I know it was only six games. It's a small sample size. But, you know, really, that's over a third of the season. 24 touches per game. That's the second most in football. The only players who touched the ball more than Joe Mixon were Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Derrick Henry, who, funny enough, are this year's one, two, and three going into drafts. I think that with if he gets that volume, if he gets that passing work, and if he stays healthy, Joe Mixon's going to finish in the top five this year, or could. There now, I, I agree with you. He has the talent. He absolutely has the talent. But you could just go like back to the beginning of this episode, and Jamar Chase is not coming – like he's not finding – He's not running his routes. He's not getting any distance between the DBs, which is huge for for what they're trying to do there. And that's they're trying to help Joe Burrow by get the ball out of his hands because he's getting crushed back there. And and that offensive line, I, they can't stop anybody. They can't push anybody. That's like it's it's they're almost laughable. So that would be the only thing that would stop Joe Mixon. He has the talent. He he probably has the talent to be one or two. And he's, a, and he's a lead back. They got rid of the guy that was close. So you, you're not wrong, but that line and, and <laughs> it, like that line is horrible. 
Oh yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm. You know. I'm saying it could. <laughs> a lot of. Lot of out of the pocket passing. A lot of you know, play action release routes. But uh, yeah, you're right. It's. It's not very likely. But uh, you know what? These are these aren't <laughs> mild takes, Tyler. These aren't buffalo takes. These aren't barbecue takes. These are hot takes. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't well, you, Tyler, why, don't you turn, yeah. why don't you score yours here, Tyler? Lay it on us. It's, I feel like your hot takes more than my first hot take, but I, I'm going in strong with this because I don't think a lot of people got a chance to watch this guy, and he's on a new team. He used to be on the worst team that nobody watched unless you get up early for that Thanksgiving game. Matthew Stafford will be the league's MVP. Ooh, here come the hot step up. That being said, I don't think he'll finish in the top 10 in fantasy quarterbacks. I think he's wow. going to do everything he needs to do to be the league MVP, he's going to lead them down the field when he needs to lead them down the field. He's going to manage the game when he needs to manage the game. And that's going to be the flaw for – this is a fantasy football podcast, so I had to, to think about that. That's going to be the flaw for his fantasy football stats is that he's going to win games. He's not out there to do what he had to do in Detroit, which is throw the ball for his life because no one else on the team knew how to play football. So it was it, – he's but now he's in a system with a great defense where if they need to win in the fourth quarter – which I don't think they'll have to do with that defense. He's going he's gonna to score. He's going to score. He's going to win league MVP, and he's going to bring the Rams to the Super Bowl. So, Oof. Tyler, now talk to me about the Super Bowl. Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> talk to me about the Akers injury and how you think that affects Stafford. Does that actually benefit him in the passing game because they can't rely on the run game as much? Or do you think Henderson is, just fills in that spot nicely? And, and I, think Hedder- I think Henderson like just steps in. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But I think Henderson just steps in. Uh, I did watch some of his videos from practice. He looks good. He looks great. Uh, we, I mean, we're talking about Matt Stafford. He's never had a running back in his life. So they, they've got a couple of them down there that just do exactly what he needs to do. The wide receivers, the wide receivers are better. The line is better. The system is better. Everything's there for him to succeed. Um, so I'm not, I, I was a little worried at first when that first week of Cam Akers went down, but then I kind of remembered that, I mean, I, I can't even begin to name the running backs he used to have in Detroit. So Javid Best and <laughs> yeah. carry on. Yeah. Theo I Riddick. Like I like that you can't you can't quit him. You know, even as a Lions fan, you're just like, he's the best. I love him. He's gonna be the best. Well and today uh, I was going over in my head that uh, he hurt his thumb or his, something on his throwing arm when he hit it off someone else's hel- helmet. And I was just thinking I was like, they gotta put pads on those helmets first of all. And second of all, when his reaction when someone I think somebody said, like, oh, he's going to be out for a couple of days. He was out at practice that day, and he said, I, I don't take days off. This is what I do. And the guy plays – all he does is play through injury. He's no, the toughest quarterback true. in the league. Like, yep. he's just like, – he wants to win, and he's in, a, he's in a place to do it. And watching him play for 12 seasons every game, he's, if he wants to win, he will win. He is the type of guy that's going to go out there and win. Unfortunately, <laughs> no one else felt that way on the Lions. But now that he has a team, oh, man, the sky's the limit. I like it. Um, Well, for my hot take, I don't think I did this right. Um, But it's it's, it's lukewarm. So here's what I've done. Um, In 2020, there were 57 running backs that had 100 touches. 100 plus touches, sorry. And there were 80 that had at least 50 touches. And I've kind of been saying this all offseason leading up to the year with the extra week and I feel the, you know, the trend with running backs is going to be to save them through the regular season, save them for when it matters. So my hot take is, again, I'm going to go through these numbers again. 57 had 100 plus, 80 had 50 plus touches. I think next year we're going to see 80 
running backs with at least 100 plus touches. So that number will go from 80 with 50, they'll go to 100. So I think there's going to be 80 running backs with at least 100 touches this year. And, um, you know, for the people that believe in the, the zero RB strategy, I think this kind of this is only good news for them if it is if it does happen. But, um, yeah, I just think it's the writings on the wall. I think teams are going to be saving their stud running backs for when when it counts. We're seeing more and more committees. We're seeing more specialty backs coming in. And uh, I think it's going to be spread out quite a bit this year. So the top tier running backs are going to be that much more important. But there's going to be plenty of guys you can grab in late rounds that will you know put up you know five, seven to ten points. Well, well this plus, is – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tyler. No, I was just saying, plus guys catch the ball so much more right. out of the backfield now. Exactly. And this is something that is a bit worrisome because, like you mentioned, Jeff, we're coming into a season with an extra game. And, yeah, sure, it's only one extra game. But we're seeing, you know, the the real one-man show or the real workhorse running back is more and more of a rarity, whereas 15 years ago – Maybe half the teams had that. Now it's just a handful. And you're also seeing success with teams like, you know, the Saints when they had Ingram and Kamara. The Ravens have done it with multiple backs. The Browns right now with Chubb and Hunt. We've talked about the Cardinals bringing in James Conner to go along with Chase Edmonds. We talked about the Raiders uh, bringing in Kenyon Drake to go along with Josh Jacobs. Teams, exactly what you said, Jeff, they're trying to protect their backfield. They're trying to, you know, not just that you got to win this week, but you've also got to have um, the depth and reducing that workload a little bit. Now, what does this do for fantasy? If that comes true, is it, it waters down the pool. You're going to end up with, if you have 80 running backs who have over a hundred touches each, you're going to end up with a whole bunch of running backs who, you know, kind of produce maybe 10, 11, 12 fantasy points a game. Um, but those few that, touch the ball you know so many times a season and are and are putting up 20 25 um you know i think a couple of years ago uh two years ago christian mccaffrey was like 29 points a game average they it just becomes even more valuable it's almost the equivalent of like travis kelsey to all other tight ends right those few running backs are going to become even more of a even more of a must draft right away than they already are yeah, and it's a strategy I've kind of already implemented in our League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I, I was talking to Tim about it today, and I'm just not keeping any running backs because, the, you know, the values, first of all, the values fluctuate on running backs so quickly. I mean, the guy can be RB1, right, uh, you know, one week, and then people don't want to draft him the next week. It's just it, I can't trust them, so I'm building my team around receivers and pass catchers, and then I'm going to worry about running backs later on. But I just, yeah, I feel like this is a trend in the position, and, uh, yeah, we shall see. And just this, to, to back up what you were saying there, Kyle, um, from 2000 so here's a stat i came across on social media today the number of running backs with 300 plus touches in a season in the year 2000 there was 19 of them 19 running backs in the year 2000 had 300 plus touches that year how many do you think had 300 plus touches last year off the top of your head two five Tyler, five, four is the answer so four so the trend is you know like we keep saying the bell cows are disappearing that's why Najee's got so much value right now, right? He's being drafted as a first-round rookie, but he's one of the last teams that believes in the bell cow running back. Um, but I, I just see more and more teams going to specialized uh, pass catchers and, and, and have that running back room full. And, um, yeah, I just think this is the, the trend the position's going in. The, yeah. the, one good, the one good thing about that is if, if you don't get one of those guys, or if, even if you do get one, say you get a Saquon Barkley or a Dalvin Cook, Someone one of one of the top seven in the that first tier is going to get hurt. 
So it's going to be easier to find replacement points. I mean, it's not going to be the same amount of replacement points, but there is going to be more guys in the, that type of just at the 100 touch that it's going to help your fantasy team. Like that's, that's why the waiver wire is so important every week to, to figure out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it almost becomes, you know, kind of to wrap this up, it almost becomes if you take one of those few guys uh, it almost becomes imperative to get that handcuff because obviously a big part of your team is getting that huge workload. Um, so if you were like a CMC manager last year and had Mike Davis, it was kind of plug and play, right? You weren't getting exactly what you expected, but it's a lot better than trying to fill in the blanks with, uh, you know, a Gus Edwards or uh, last year's Chase Edmonds or whatever. Um, so yeah, if you're going to invest in one of those workhorse backs, I'm not a huge handcuff uh, person myself, but it might it might become more important to back that up so that you know your your team structure doesn't kind of crumble when you lose that that player that's getting 250 touches a season. Yeah, Jeff, do you handcuff your guys often, Jeff? Depends on the guy, and it's very much dependent on the scenario. Like a guy like Saquon, or say I had Najee, um, and it's a team that believes in the bell cow, then I might. But if it's not a team that you know, believes in the bell count. It's like a Camara. I, I don't usually have a Latavius Murray, um, though I did last year. But um, yeah, um, but it's, it's all dependent on the scenario. It's not, you know, I don't make a rule to handcuff all my running backs. It just depends on how the team uses their running back. And if I think that the guy that steps in will have the, a similar role to the guy I, I, you know, relying on. Right. Yeah. And similar talent, too, because we've seen, you know, Alexander Madison disappoint managers who thought they had something when Dalvin cook went out. But uh, yeah, for me, not until maybe when you're on the road to playoffs, um, then it's important to back up your, your assets when you're not going to be able to trade uh, after the deadline, but all right, well, I've got another scorcher here for you fellas. And this one, I struggled a little bit. I had two, I had two ideas. I didn't want to do this one because I've resisted saying things like this. And I hear it all over, and I'm so tired of reading it on message boards. But I also just drafted this player with my the third overall pick in our Dynasty League draft, so I hope it comes true. But my hot take is that Kyle Pitts will finish this year as a top three tight end. It makes me sick just saying it. I can't do it. There's people out there just banging their hands on their dashboard right now saying, I knew it. I'm one of them. I knew it. I knew it. Uh, and there's other people banging their hands saying, no, he's a tight end. The best ever finish has been number eight, and it's a fluke. All right, so hear me out. Hear me out. Last year, you know, Julio was in and out of the lineup. He was. We talked about it even this episode. He wasn't super reliable. Uh, but in the previous few seasons when he was more or less healthy, although, like you said, Jeff, he's kind of – he tricks you sometimes in between plays – Uh, But he was seeing between 150 and 170 targets per season in 2018 and 2019. So while Julio was doing that, Calvin Ridley was over 90 targets a year, his first couple of years in the league. Like he was close to 100 targets. Julio was between 150 and 170. And at the same time, they had Austin Hooper, like we talked about last week. He was getting about 100 targets a year as well. Now Julio's gone. Obviously, Ridley seems most likely, he kind of did last year, to take over that alpha role. Um, 
you know, he I, I think there's almost a guaranteed floor for Calvin Ridley of 150 targets this year. He is going to be throwing the ball early and often. He's going to be the man, no doubt about it. But if you look at what Matt Ryan was doing for the last couple of years before this past year, what happens to those other, you know, 200 or so targets? Like how much is going to go to Mike Davis, who they just brought in the backfield? I've heard a lot of talk about Russell Gage. Um, you know, he had almost 100 targets last year because Julio uh, was in and out of the lineup. But I looked into it a little bit, and here's what I found. Russell Gage, yeah, he he did step up a little bit in his third year last year, but his biggest performance of the season was actually in week one. And then really until the last few weeks of the season, he didn't do a whole lot. I think he had maybe one game in the middle where he had six or seven targets and a touchdown, but he didn't do a lot until right near the end of the uh, football season. Um, when you're looking at Matt Ryan, he he is not a quarterback that targets the running back very often. He actually is bottom third in the league over his, uh, over his last four seasons. Um, he's like the 10th least passes to the running back position. So even so, even though we saw Mike Davis catch the ball last year in Carolina, I don't expect a big amount of the passing work to go that way. However, when you look at Matt Ryan and tight ends, he has been somewhere between tops, top six and top 12 in targeting them. When Austin Hooper was here, as I mentioned, he saw close to 100 targets a year. When Tony Gonzalez was here, he never saw less than 100. He was up near 150 targets every year. So ugh, I can barely bring myself to say it, but just like so many people have been saying, I think there's a world in which we can treat Kyle Pitts as a big physical wide receiver instead of looking at him like a tight end. He could see over 90 targets as a rookie. And if he has that with the combination of his end zone ability and his big play ability, he could find himself up among the, the top tier, the cheat code options at tight end for 2021. As a rookie, I like it. I mean, really, it's he's got to beat, what, Kittle or Waller, and he's in the top three, and then everybody else, I think, I could see him topping out. But, yeah, that, that third spot, as opposed to the fourth, <laughs> is a big jump, as far as I'm concerned, anyways. As a guy I with him it. on my team, I, I want it, it to happen. But, yeah, I don't like it that much either. <laughs> I, I don't think he – I just ah, – I don't want to jump on the train. I don't want to do it. And I just – I that's what it is. It's just a hype train. It's like it's like when McGregor fought Mayweather. Everybody knew Mayweather was going to win until that last week, and the hype train came, and then all of a sudden, oh, McGregor's going to win, McGregor's going to win, then it got smoked. It's just it's it's people talking to talk is what it is around Kyle Pitts, and I hope he does well, but I just think it's people talking to talk. And what's going to be interesting because a lot of times tight ends struggle in their rookie year because they're drafted to be a tight end, right? And there's you know blocking and schemes and all these other things that come along with the territory of this position, but I feel like Pitts is not going to be asked to block maybe ever. Uh, he's always going to be out there as a receiver or running routes. Um, I shouldn't say always, but for the, for the most part, that's going to be his role. So I could see him having a, a you know, an impact right away. Um, and the talent, you know, we keep hearing about it. I can't wait to watch this kid play. I was watching some camp footage from the, the uh, Falcons and I couldn't believe how big he is. And then watching him run, it's, it blew my mind. So yeah, I could see it happening. I just, I don't know if I love it. Now, yeah, don't you well... think that? Sorry, sorry, sorry. To, uh, <laughs> don't you think that that devalues the Falcons' team? Like, if he's on the field, you then know that they're not running the ball his direction, and also they're like he's out there to 
to catch the ball. Like it's not going to be a run to his side. Well, so they know still, that immediately. They've still got Hayden Hurst in Atlanta, yep. right? They uh, when Austin Hooper moved on, they replaced him with Hayden Hurst from uh, the Ravens, and they've still got him. And he is a big, physical, you know, can block. So I hear what you're saying, Tyler. I don't know that it's you know necessarily going to be that giveaway kind of thing where you have with some running backs where they come on the field and you say either they're not passing or they're definitely passing because so and so is on the field. Um, like I could see a scenario where they run two tight end sets, but it's basically just a one tight end set, or maybe they, maybe they, you know, have pits on the line of scrimmage, but spread them out a little bit. Um, right. yeah. You know, like I said, these are hot. These are hot takes. This is not yeah. what I believe. <laughs> I think I've got him. I think I've got him ranked number five or number six. I can't remember where he ended up now, but, uh, you know, the, the guy, the guy he has to beat out is Russell Gage, who Russell Gage's longest play last season was 35 yards. And, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts does that when he's getting out of bed in the morning. He goes 35 yards to get a drink of water. Um, and Matt Stafford has supported, you know, he supported uh, he supported Tony Gonzalez and Roddy White. He supported Roddy White and Julio Jones. He supported Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Matt Ryan. Ryan. Who did I say? Stafford. Stafford. Oh, yuck. Yuck a do. The MVP. <laughs> Anyways. The MVP. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my that's my hot take. And as a dynasty manager, I'm really crossing my fingers that that one comes true. Uh, okay, guys, my second hot take. The Washington football team will have two players in the top five at their positions in the fantasy, the, or fantasy this year. Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson are going to finish Ooh. top five as a wide receiver at running back. It's actually crazy. If you look at let's let's assume that Pitts, uh, Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback this year. Let's just make that assumption. Uh, he's played at least – he started at least nine games in the last eight seasons, which actually seems crazy to me that he's been around that long. Um, and in those nine starts, his number one wide receiver saw at least 128 targets. Seven times – in seven of those seasons, the wide receiver – in those nine starts had 72 receptions topped 1000 yards. And three of those times have had, have scored 10 touchdowns. So that's, that's already in McLaurin's favor. And the thing about that, the most important thing about that is McLaurin's only been in the league for two seasons. He's caught uh, passes from six different quarterbacks. That's crazy. (laughs) That is crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, And then Antonio Gibson is only going to benefit from this. He's, he already came on strong in the middle of the season last year. I think at one point he was the fourth ranked um, running back over like five weeks or something like that. Um, so it's with a better, more improved passing game, it just opens things up for Antonio Gibson. I think he could finish top five. He could even challenge for top three. Wow, Oof. I like it. I've, I've seen people that say he could finish as a top one and uh, at, overall. At, I mean, the... the the workload's there. If J.D. McKissick doesn't come on the field and spell him like he did last year, uh, you know, the sky's the limit for Gibson. This is a I, – you know, here I have an interesting relationship with both these players on Washington. Um, I drafted Gibson last year in our League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I just – I was in love with him. And then I ended up moving him for Dalvin Cook to make a run for the playoffs. Uh, it didn't work out. So now I've been missing Gibson ever since. And with t- uh, Terry McLaurin, I drafted him super-duper late in our draft uh, the year he was a rookie. And then right before the season, I dropped him because they had another receiver on the roster. I can't even remember his name now. A guy from Seattle, uh, Paul Richardson, who was. Um, yeah. 
And I was yeah. like, oh, no, Paul Richardson's got some experience in the league. I dropped Terry McLaurin for Richardson, and McLaurin had this amazing season. So I kind of have this weird thing where I want both of them <laughs> not to do great, but I love the scenario for both of them. I love Fitzpatrick. I love Ron Rivera. Um, I love what they have in Washington, especially with the defense. So I, I, I can see this happening, uh, if not for one of them or both of them, but at least one of them for sure. Yeah, I uh, I picked up McLaurin actually in our Sorry for Parting League, I believe off waivers after week one. I just scooped him up and he was a big part of my team winning the championship that year. And then in the uh, LOEG this offseason, I made a big deal in the winter for, uh, I got Terry McLaurin and uh, David Montgomery, but just last week I actually shipped McLaurin out. Um, I had too many, too many valuable keepers on my team and we can only have six uh so he didn't he didn't get to play a snap so i'm i'm kind of hopeful that you're wrong on this one because i'd i'd hate to send a top five uh although he just went he just went on the move again today i saw in that league so uh you know i'm sure craig is feeling the same way he doesn't want that top five prediction to come true um but with gibson like the talent is definitely there and it was insane how much I was shocked how much passing work McKissick got last year, but he was also great in the passing game. Like he was the, I think besides Alvin Kamara, he was the most efficient pass catching back in the league last year and also saw the most targets beside Kamara. Um, The thing that worries me about that side of it um, coming true is just with Fitzpatrick, because as much as his style of play helps McLaurin, as much as now, you know, scary Terry has a quarterback, who for better or worse is, is not afraid to drive the ball down the field. Like even at his own peril, sometimes Uh, he's not a guy who really targets his back very often. And so if there is, you know, a smaller, you know, last year was dump off city with Alex Smith and Kyle Allen and Roger Staubach and whoever else Washington was putting out there on uh, quarterback. But uh, if that piece of the pie is smaller, and McKissick is taking targets away on third down, then uh, that, you know, as much as the talent for Gibson's there, that could cap his upside a little bit. So that'd be, I also uh, that'd think be a that, big fail. Sorry, go ahead, Tyler. <laughs> no, no, sorry. I also think that uh, Curtis Samuel is kind of an X factor in this in this hot take because he, like, when um, McCaffrey went down, they took uh, Samuel out of the wide receiver position and put him in the backfield. So it's, I don't know what they're going to do with him, but I know it's going to be exciting. Yeah, and the, and that's it. He's gonna get. I think he's gonna get a few carries and and some targets. So he's he's kind of the X factor for both of these guys a little bit. But yeah, he is. I'm not at all worried about McKissick this year. To be honest with you guys, I think uh, like you said, it was checkdown city with Alex Smith. They trusted his pass protection a little more than they trusted the rookies. So McKissick stayed on the field. Um, but Gibson is a converted receiver into running back. He's got hands. He can do everything that McKissick can do. Um, and like Tyler was mentioning earlier, you know, when you have McKissick on the field, you almost know they're going to throw it. Where with Gibson, if he is able to do the both phases of the game, you know, it kind of keeps the defense guessing a little bit more than when uh, JD's on the field. So I think mm-hmm. if, the, if they do use McKissick the same way this year than they did last year, that's a fail on uh, R- R- Riverboat's fit part because Gibson's got the talent to play both phases, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. my I actually have a bonus hot take here, too, and I don't even want to say it because it makes me want to throw up. But the first one I'm going to go with is um, rookie quarterback Trevor Lawrence will lead the league in passing yards in his rookie season. I think they're going to wow. air it out. Yeah. Well, hey, we want to get hot or are we doing you know, lukewarm takes? That's, like, 
That's a pizza oven hot. Take I got the hot plate going. There's a microwave, uh, ovens, wood-fired grills. Everything's on this one. I think, yeah, I think the, the Jags are going to air it out. I think Urban Meyer is going to try to show off that, you know, he should have been in the NFL for years and years and years. And if it all clicks, I think Lawrence could be up there in the conversation with most passing yards. I don't think he's going to have, like, an MVP-type season. He's going to probably have a bunch of picks and not as many touchdowns. But I think the yards could be there. And if I'm wrong, he could be the worst quarterback in the league, and Urban Meyer is the worst coach. But I think there, <laughs> there's a path I could see it, and uh, this is a guy I'm targeting first overall, so I'm kind of throwing this out in the universe as well. Um, yeah, Trevor Lawrence leads the league in passing yards his rookie season is my Oof. hot, hot take. That is a hot take. That's it Chuck. is. We got Marvin Jones. We got, you know, the Chenault breakout. Uh, we got uh, Travis Thomas. at the end. Timmy <laughs> Tebow. Tim Tebow, exactly. Yeah, like there's threats all over the place, so. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's, it's, here's the deal to be hundred percent honest with you guys. Like I said, I've got first overall, I'm looking at Lawrence and it just, it seems so obvious that I'm starting to look elsewhere because I don't like, it's not fun when it's an obvious pick. So I've been looking elsewhere and I've been trying to convince myself to go elsewhere, but I just keep coming back to this generational quarterback and, and, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there, but, uh, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, we're mentioning the Jags, so drink up to all. Yeah. Those there's been yeah, a lot yeah, well, you know what? They're going to be down most games. Yes, They're they going to be trailing. They're going to be getting garbage time yards. I, I, uh, I don't think you're, you know, as far off the rails as you feel like you might be, because, like you said, you could have the most passing yards in the league and finish with a losing record. Like, absolutely, it's it's in the realm of possibility, depending on on game flow. Like, they could be three touchdowns behind at halftime every week. I think there's some crazy stat that like the last 20 or 30 years, whatever quarterback led the league in passing yards, they never win the Super Bowl. Like it's almost comes hand in hand that your team sucks when you lead the league in passing. Yards. <laughs> right. Jameis led it two years ago with Tampa Bay. Right. And they were a seven, nine team. Like it's usually if you're passing that much, you're not, you're not very successful in the win column, but um, yeah. So that's my hot take. And then my bonus one, oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. <laughs> um, this year will be the first season uh, the Steelers have a losing record under Mike Tomlin I don't think they say yeah. that you well, didn't I'm... even need to have a third one you didn't need a third one at all and no, you come I, in with I, what that a, what well, a here's Dallas the reason fan. I, yeah <laughs> I'm trying to put wow. this out there so it doesn't happen I don't want to hold on to this reverse and then got to tell people that I was right at the end <laughs> uh, of the year so well. I'm, yeah I'm reverse jinx it but then I just said it so now I reverse jinx the reverse jinx. I don't know where we're at with it now hopefully I'm wrong but I just the division's tight. The Ravens are good. Cleveland's going to be really, really good. And, I mean, Big Ben has to play a lot better. I hope the defense is back intact. I just – I got a bad gut feeling about it. So, I, I wrote – that was the first one I wrote down. And then I was like, I don't want to say it. Think of another Oof. one. So, well, you know what? With Trevor I, Lawrence, and then I still said it. I had a third one as well. It was the first one I wrote down. And I was like, that might be too crazy. But the more I think about it, I don't think it's that crazy at all. And it's A.J. Dillon – has more fantasy points than Aaron Jones this year. Wow. I didn't I, – yeah, you I cut guess. it right when you said points. <laughs> I heard you say A.J. Dillon has more fantasy oh. points, and then you cut it. AJ, I didn't hear you. So A.J. Dillon will have more fantasy points than Aaron Jones. That's what I thought you were saying. Wow. That is, uh, that's hot. That's hot. That's, that's hot. I, that's why I put this it is, third. I was like, that's crazy. That's crazy. This is too hot. This is too hot. I'm sweating over here. I don't like it. Now we're just making stuff up. We're, we're fantasying our fantasy football. 
Brett Favre is coming out of retirement again. Don't say that. Don't yeah, ever say that. For the Lions. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. boy. So, oh, yeah. Do you believe it? Bear with us here, folks. These, these hot takes are too hot. They're scrambling our brains. But uh, there you have it. Joe Mixon will be top five running back. Matt Stafford wins NFL MVP and the Rams go to the Super Bowl. In 2021, over 80 running backs will have over 100 touches. Kyle Pitts, a top three tight end. Washington football team has two players in the top five of their fantasy positions, McLaurin and Gibson, and Trevor Lawrence will lead the league in passing yards. And there's no need to mention that other one because it's just too (laughs) ridiculous. No way. But you must be thinking at home, oh, okay, well, it's time for the two-minute drill. I can start, you know, getting my day going. Well, you would be wrong, folks, because we've got something very special. We've got a -a one-of-a-kind thing happening on our show this week. You can't get this anywhere else. We're going to do a quick mock draft, but this isn't any old. This isn't John Jackson's mock draft. This ain't your grandma's (laughs) mock draft. This is a late round mock draft. Is this the real life? It is the day many football fans have been waiting all year for. Is this just fantasy? Draft day. It's time for another fantasy folk and football mock draft. Mock, yeah, mock, yeah. Yeah, it is. So since it's one of a kind, you probably don't have any idea what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, this is special, unusual. We What we've done is we've taken out the top options at each position. So basically, we're staking our claim on late round players. But I'm telling you guys this now so you don't make a fool of yourselves on international podcastery. You have to pick players that you could start in week one. So I want you to treat it like this. Pretend the three of us joined a deep keeper league, except the teams that we took over had no keepers. So all the best players are gone. The top 20 quarterbacks are off the board. The top 24 running backs, the top 36 wide receivers, the top 12 tight ends. None of them are out there. We need to pick our starting lineups from what from the scraps this is for you todd we're, we're hitting scraps <laughs> up all day two weeks in a row we're for you yeah. todd um yeah so uh i think as i think as the guest if it's okay with you jeff i'd like to give tyler the the 101 and then uh you know put myself right in the middle of the sandwich and and put you on the tail end does that sound all right let's do it oh wow okay so we're doing one quarterback two running backs two wide receivers and a uh, yeah, and one tight end. Yeah, one tight end. One tight end. Okay, well, I right off the top, I think of going Chase Edmonds Ooh. from your Arizona Cardinals at running back. He took right. me to the promised land last year. Well, he was there when you went to the promised land. I don't know. <laughs> he came along for the ride. <laughs> I don't know if he took you so much as Travis Kelsey and Josh Allen took you, but uh, he, he was there. He was there. I, was started him. I started him in the semifinals. That's true. All right. Well, I, oh man, alive. I am also going with a running back right off the bat. I'm going with Raheem, the dream Raheem Mostert. I think week one, this guy's got the full workload might not be there week three, but week one, he's, he's in the lineup. I'm going with, um, man, this is, it's so gross when you take away the top at every position. Like I, if this was my first year in this league i go uh you know what maybe i'll start next year (laughs) (laughs) but let's go with um you know what i think trevor lawrence is going to lead the league in passing and he's going to throw to his running back quite a bit let's go with travis at the end that's my running back all right i thought you were going to say trevor lawrence and i was going to say oh no he's not even out there 
Uh, but yeah, Travis Etienne. All right. So, so Jeff, are we doing back, snake here? Yeah, yeah back okay. to you yeah. again, buddy. You got back to back. Let's see here. Holy jumping catfish. This gross. Okay, so I don't know. I'll, I'll hold on to that question. I'm going to go with um, <laughs> so ugly. Uh, I'm going to go with um, I don't know who I'm going to go with. It's so, so ugly. Uh, this is the tough part every of Every guy I want to pick is a Jaguar. This, <laughs> you know, oh. <laughs> this is the tough part of drafts though because, you know, the first five, six rounds, it's pretty much you're following the order of rankings, right? Once in a while you skip a guy or two, but when you're fit, when you're crossing names off, it's like the first chunk is all crossed off. But this is the part where rankings don't really matter as much. You kind of have to shoot your shot, and uh, and you know you might like Travis Etienne was the top ranked running back, but you might go down now to number thirty three or thirty four and skip a bunch of names if you like somebody. Well, that's the thing. And typically, when you're drafting the names on these lists, you know you have your roster full, and and you're relying on these guys for other reasons, right? You're drafting them because they have a breakout potential at the end of the year mm-hmm. where, you know, we're drafting them as our WR1 and WR2. So <laughs> it's like, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've read a lot of nice reports out of, jeez, uh, Louise. every time I start to say I'm going to draft this guy, I think oh, how gross it is. <laughs> and I change my mind. I'm going to go with, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Damian Harris. I think uh, the running back out of New England. I like what I've heard there. I think that, uh, I hate this team already after two picks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a good start. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, we've, uh, we've talked about both of these guys as early season values. And like I said, your, your team, your team's going to change a lot, especially in this horrible scenario, but I'm going to go with Melvin Gordon as my second running back. Um, yeah, with the top 24, like it's already important to get your running backs locked up, but with the top 24 gone, like this is pretty ugly, pretty quick here. Yeah. Well, at least you guys made it easy for me. I can take the running back last now because you guys can't take any more running backs. That's right. I can get into the wide receiver pool here and I think I'm going to go with, oh man, this is, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Jarvis Landry. I'm going to take Jarvis Landry. Safety net. I like it. Safe floor. So, where are we? It's back to... Uh, Back to Tyler again here. Oh, yeah. I get another pick here. Oh, I could could take another wide receiver before you guys. eh? This is insane. Well, you know what? I've had a huge crush on this guy. And, I mean, everybody in our Story for Partying League should know by now that if this guy's on the board, I'm taking him. It's... uh, Ah, crap. I hate that I said all that. Michael Pittman (laughs) Jr., Oh, oh yeah, that's right. That I, was your breakout. Yeah. I actually yeah. wondered. I actually wondered as I as I put this list together and his name came up at number <sighs> wide receiver number fifty. I wondered if that would be someone you'd go for, but that's it. You shoot your shot. This is where you you pick those players. I am gonna go. Oh man, I can't even. I'm same thing. I almost said it, and then I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. At least in the wide receiver, it's like these are players that could reasonably, you know, be on your roster. Um, the player that I really wanted to take, I wish I hadn't said you have to start them week one because he's suspended week one. The top wide receiver still oh, on the yeah. board is Will yeah. Fuller, but uh, that would be that would be a no go. Um, 
Oh man, I'm gonna go with a guy who at one point was the he was basically the face of the whole NFL, and he was a wide receiver that was making a case for himself as the 101. I'm going with AB. I'm going with Antonio wow. Brown. Oof, old habits, right? Old habits. Old habits. That's right. Can't quit him. Uh, I'm gonna <sighs> go with. Uh, so I get two here, yeah. Yep. I'm going to go with Devonta Smith of the Eagles. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then I'm going with LaVisca Chenault. And uh, drink up, folks, because I'm, I'm jag heavy. <laughs> you did that you're on purpose. So, you're, you have the entire starting lineup to the Jags. <laughs> the Jags, it's not a good look. You did that on purpose because you knew he was my sleeper and I was going to take him with the next pick. All right. Well, Jeff has two wide receivers. There are a couple – that I still like. So let me take a look at these other positions here. Oh, boy. Um, you know what? I think I'm going to go with a quarterback here. And when you take away the top 20 quarterbacks, oh, man. things don't look so good. But I'm going to go with out of Carolina, Sam Darnold. Uh, I was kind of between him and, well, I looked at Daniel Jones, but. You know, I talked about he's missing so many weapons. I don't really like that. I was kind of between him and Derek Carr. But with Carr, it's like I know what I got, and it's not a lot. And with Darnold, at least there's the there's the <laughs> hope of upside, right? There's the hope that every game he's on the one-yard line, on his own one-yard line, and he throws a little pitch to McCaffrey, and McCaffrey runs at 99 yards and scores a 99-yard passing touchdown for him. So, yeah, I'm going with Slam and Sammy. So now, before we carry on, are we assuming that the rookies are not starting week one? Like the well, that's Lance? that's your gamble there, okay. big fella. Right. That's right. your gamble because yeah. that's you know the Justin Fields and that I don't see him on the field in week or in week one, according to Matt Nagy. So uh, yeah, oof. So I think you're up, Tyler. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I like that pick. I really did like that Sam Darnold pick. Um. All right, here's what I'm going to do. Oh, I get two? Uh, you got you two, two, yep. Okay. Oh, this makes it easier. I can get a QB and a, a tight end before anyone else gets one. Okay, well, let's go uh, QB first. I'm going to go with Derek Carr. Uh, mm. Just because I know he's going to start, and like the rest of this is just awful. Like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is <laughs> – like, half the guys, you don't even know if they're going to win the camp battle. Like – yeah, like Garoppolo and and Trey Lance, Justin Fields, like Drew Locke, Bridgewater, Carson Wentz won't start Week One. Mac Jones is on here. Oh man, that's rough stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I'll go Derek Carr. I know he's starting, so I, I gotta get some points that way. And then I'm gonna go down to the tight end list, which is a bunch of nobodies. <laughs> and uh, let's go uh, Hunter Henry. All right, yeah. one I of like the new pick. one of the new Patriots. Um. Yeah, now the funny thing with the tight end, I was going to take away the top eight, and I ended up taking away the top uh, 12. But really, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago on our tight end ranking show. Once you get to this point, you're it's kind of a dart throw anyways. But, um, you know, there's Michael Thomas drama. There's, there's all kinds of things happening. I'm going to take the tight end out of New Orleans. I'm going to take oh, Adam Troutman. Adam Troutman. I can't believe <laughs> You can actually get somebody get sniped on you in this draft. This ugly. <laughs> nice pick, though. That's a solid pick. He's getting a lot of hype. Yeah, that is a good pick. Uh, and uh, with the banged up receivers, not just you know Thomas the drama, but um, 
Traquan Smith is missing time. Like Troutman's getting uh, quite a bit of action there, and he's a big breakout candidate. So I like that. Ah, yeah, yeah. What am I gonna? It's funny. I'm looking at the running backs. A couple things. We have you know ranked number 25 to 44 of the running backs, and I'm looking at the list like the 42, 43, 44, and I'm like, there's no chance 80 running backs are getting 100 touches. What was I thinking in our hot take? <laughs> <laughs> and then I also look, and I'm like. I got Etienne and Damian Harris, but I would much rather like Michael Carter and Trey Sermon for, you know, the whole year. So yeah, yeah. it's ugly, but um, I'm going to gamble because this not, this doesn't really matter at all. I'm going to say Justin Fields starts and I'm going to take Oof. him as my quarterback. Yeah. I don't believe the Andy wow. Dalton hype. I think Fields is too good to stay off the field. And we're going to start seeing that as early as uh, this weekend when they have their first preseason game. So. Uh, there's a reason Justin Fields is ranked 22nd and Andy Dalton is 37th right now. Um, I think that uh, Fields is the better talent. And uh, my tight end, it doesn't look very tight at all. It looks like a pretty loose end to me, but I'm going to go with – I was in love with Blake Jarwin going into last year. He was like one of my sleeper guys and then tore his ACL week one. And actually, yeah, that's one of the things in the news we should have mentioned too. Dak is going for another MRI on that shoulder, so that's something mm-hmm. to monitor – that's uh, not ideal whatsoever. That just kind of broke before we came on the air. I'm going to go with Johnny Smith just because I like the uh, the yard after the catch capability. I think he's going to get some rushes in that offense. And, um, yeah, I hope he poaches a lot of touchdowns from Hunter Henry, and then I beat Tyler in this makeup league. <laughs> wow. So both of the Patriots' tight ends win in this draft. Oof. All right. So I've got one more pick. I've got to take a wide receiver here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, there's a part of me that wants to just go with someone safe, like a Marvin Jones, who I feel like is going to get a lot of those targets. More Jags. But, <laughs> yeah, more Jags. Um, but uh, you know what? I'm going to take a chance here. Week one, we talked about Will Fuller is out. This guy has a relationship already with the quarterback in Miami. Ooh. I cannot believe it, but I'm going Jalen Waddle. I'm taking a week one flyer on Jalen Waddle. Wow. Out of Miami. And okay. uh yeah, where are we here? Tyler, we are I need a you running need back. A running back, yeah. Yeah. And I've got a whole list here of the ones <laughs> a whole bunch of names. <laughs> the, good letters. the good news is I could pick these guys up in the waiver wire after if I need to. Um I, you know what? Let's go Trey Sermon. I think he's just I, – I think he might be the the offensive rookie of the year this year. Whoa. Wow. Well, hot take number Ooh, four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And also, so... go, to go back to – sorry uh, to cut you off there, Kyle, but to go back to the Blake Jarwin thing. So, I completely forgot about Blake Jarwin. The hype was very real at this point last year, and I feel like he could be a really good deep, deep sleeper for somebody. Yep, yeah, I can see it for sure. Yep. If if you've got a deep bench, those are the kind of guys you want to, uh, you know, I those last few rounds before you have to take your defense or kicker. I don't think there's any point in picking another, you know, a safe guy, a guy who's going to be so so. Pick a guy who's going to he might take off and and be the next big thing, or you might drop him in two weeks. But uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'd I'd rather take a risk on that. It's tough in our league, Tyler, because we have a very shallow bench. You almost have to ignore those kinds of players and just go for depth when you can get them. 
but uh yeah if you're in a if you're in a deeper league for sure uh Blake Jarwin that's the type of guy you can you know Cole Komet you can take a gamble on and and see what happens so yeah uh golly I've got it is Sam. and one one more thing there oh, yeah. Kyle you just mentioned you know before you take your kicker and your defense I, a lot of times I won't even draft those guys I'll leave a draft without a yeah. kicker or a D mm-hmm. take a couple other guys that could be something and then wait until the very last second before I fill the roster out but, uh, yeah you've got to You've got to see what your league is. I know some are set up. You have to fill a complete roster at your draft, and there are some that it doesn't matter. And, uh, yeah, absolutely, I, I'd i rather, you know, see who's going to win a camp battle or something. Exactly. But uh, real quick, ugh, I ended up with Sam Darnold, Raheem Moster, Melvin Gordon, Antonio Brown, Jalen Waddle, and Adam Troutman. Yuck. Well, you're sitting just as pretty as I am. I got Justin Fields, Travis Etienne, Damian Harris, Devonta Smith, LaVisca Chenault, and Johnny Smith. Yeah, you know, you know what? I'm actually, I like my team. I'm going to say this. I like my team. I think, I think they could start. And I think, they, I think I, if anyone could win with this team, uh, <laughs> oh, I got at quarterback, I got Derek Carr. Running back Chase Edmonds and Trey Sermon, wide receiver Jarvis Landry, Michael Pittman Jr., and tight end Hunter Henry. Oh, boy. That sounds like a third-place team out of this draft, I would say. Uh, I don't have third-place teams. <laughs> I don't do third-place. That's true. That's true. All right, fellas. Well, uh, real quick before we go here, you know what? We always say we got one last chance to get the ball down the field and no timeouts. It's time for the two-minute drill. It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football 2-Minute Drill. So, Falcon Maniacs, it's draft season. Some of you have already drafted. Some of you, like us, are leading up to it pretty quickly here. But it's that time where you're circling names, and there's always that one player that you end up with in every league. So that's what we want to know this week. Who is the one player that you feel like you must leave every draft with this year. I like that. You know what? Let's take it even one step further. We want to hear who you're going to leave with and one player you're not going to have on any rosters, either he's overvalued or whatever the case is. One you are going to have, one you're not going to have. Let us know, Falcomaniacs. You can send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. DM, DM us or respond to us on our Instagram story poll at Falcomaniacs or leave us a voicemail using the link in the show description. As well as you can always reach out to us with any fantasy questions, whether for your draft, keeper cues, trade advice, whether you like, we're happy to help. We're speaking to help. We need the help from you. And a regular, if you're a regular listener or brand new to the show, please remember to hit that subscribe button, rate and review, and most importantly, share and recommend us to anyone you know who loves fantasy football and having fun. As we mentioned off the top, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Falconmaniacs. Like and share our posts. We want to see the fantasy Falcon football hype train. Keep picking up steam as the preseason approaches, and we couldn't do any of it without any of you. We've had a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, Tyler, for coming on with us again. It's uh, it's always nice to hear from another Falcon champion. Yeah, it is. Thank you very much. It's so yeah. much fun to be here. Thank you. I will say, man, you, you bring a totally different dynamic to the show with the third voice on there. I love having you on. You're welcome back anytime. And uh, thanks to all the listeners out there listening to us. Thanks, uh you know, new or old, we hope you guys have a great week. The season is coming, man. Preseason football is in hours. I can't wait. So uh, have a great week, everybody. And don't forget to set your Falcon lineups. Woo!